We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. Um, If you're using one of our Bibles, that's on page 590. Page 590. Um, As you're turning there, a few things to cover. Um, One, last week was so cool. Birthday Sunday, if you got to be here. Can I just tell you something? I mean, I was just in tears as you saw um, and experienced with me. Because honestly, okay, if you were here last week, remember when I asked, hey, where have you seen God move in our church? Like, where have you seen the Lord at the Ruby specifically? And just some like transparency, I was scared to ask that question. When I was going over my notes the morning, that morning, I was like, what if I asked them where they've seen the Lord at Ruby and no one says anything? I was just like sweating at the thought of that happening. And instead, at both the 9 and 11, I had to cut off that time because people just kept sharing. And I just want to tell you how much that blessed my heart. The next day, I was with our staff, which means the next day, I was with Sarah and two interns and was talking about um, just how, what a gift it was that you guys shared that. You guys ready for Saturday? You guys ready to get married? That's coming for y'all. I'm excited. Um, and uh, that was just such a gift last week. So thank you. And then Wednesday, guys, who got to be uh, at the baptism gathering on Wednesday? Guys. That was wild Wednesday. One, my hair was so yellow on camera, and I didn't know everyone there, and they all thought that I thought it looked cool, so that was tough. But way more importantly, way more importantly, nine people were baptized. And man, I mean, I know that some folks here saw some serious prayers answered. It was just such a gift. Gosh, it was so good. If you've yet to go to one of those, guys, seriously, next time we announce one, you gotta come. You got to see it, all right? And if you've been going, tell your friends. I got to be there. So anyway, all right. We're in this series called Rooted. And believe it or not, we only have two weeks left. And this, if you're new here, we've been in this series called Rooted. And the heart behind it um, is living deeply in a hurried world. And so basically, um, it's 2019, and life can just feel fast sometimes, I think. Whether we're busy or not, it just feels like there's a lot moving and shaking, and <laughs> there's a lot on the schedule, and, and even when there's not a lot, it feels like the schedule's mysteriously full somehow, and we're just talking through, man, what does it look like as a people of God to be rooted, to be firmly, deeply established in the presence of God, that as things move and change in our world rapidly, that we feel that we are established, that we, are, that we get to stand firm and still in the presence of God. And so that's what we've been doing. And um, just a little preface to the conversation today, this week has just been insane for me personally. I've taught twice already and went to a conference and had a road trip with my dad last night, which was super sick, um, but was sick this week. So I've like taught a lot, was sick, went on a road trip, got three hours of sleep. I'm like seeing stars right now. All that being said, lean into the teaching. I might need your help, all right? I feel really good about what God's gonna do, but it's gonna feel way more conversational. It's gonna be a one-way conversation for a long part of it, um, but it it will feel like, I I just wanna walk through this text together today, um, and I just really encourage you, like, if you're a note taker, like, keep doing that. Take notes today, and if you're not, maybe think about it, and and just lean in and just ask God as I'm talking, God, what are you trying to say to me? Because I think this is really beautiful, what we're doing today, all right? Um, But I think we all just need to lean in and and go for it, okay? All right, Um, so... You know, sometimes when we were in that series, Back to Basics, every week I was choosing the scriptures and and all that stuff, but sometimes we teach across our campuses in the same text. Sometimes I choose that, sometimes other people choose it. This was one of those weeks where the text had been chosen for me. And so I knew we were gonna be in 1 Peter 5, 
And I don't have that memorized, so I don't know what it said yet. And I knew that the title was A Life Shielded in Humility. All right, so that's the, that's the conversation today. A Life Shielded in Humility. And it was a really cool experience for me personally, and hopefully I think you're about to experience this, to know that the conversation was about humility, but what is in 1 Peter 5 is not what I expected. So when I think of humility, all right, I think of like humble, I think of like Kendrick Lamar, you know, sit down, be humble, sit down, you know, is that okay to bring up? I think it is. It's a good... Come on, Kendrick's good, right? Yeah, all right. Uh, so, but you know, like it's that, that's the kind of tone that I feel. Like, hey, sit down. When we're talking about humility, it's gonna be me telling you, hey, know your role. Like, you're not the boss. Like, stop being prideful, right? And I'm sure that in humility, there's a conversation to be had about laying down pride, right? Lowering ourselves. That's 100% an aspect. But Peter takes an approach that I just wasn't expecting, and it's really fun. So I'm gonna read 1 Peter 5, and then we're gonna walk through it verse by verse. Um, Verses six through 11 is where we'll be. Um, So that's page 590, if you're using one of our blue Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, take one of those home, please. All right, so 1 Peter 5. You guys ready for this? Are you ready? All right, here we go, let's go. Let's talk about humility. Verse six, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So just pause. I already, this, this fits. When I think about being humble, this is what I expect. Hey, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Okay, yeah, God's God, you're not, get under him, right? That makes sense. But then watch what happens here. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you, comma, so new verse, but not a new sentence, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's where I was thrown off this week. We're talking about humility, so I'm ready to talk about pride, flesh all that out, but in the same sentence, he goes, cast your anxieties on him. I wasn't ready. I never think of anxiety when I think of humility, but here we are in the same sentence. Why? Because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, what a great thing to be the God of, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, just more epic, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever, amen. So I come into this passage like, all right, let's talk about humility, all right? Verse six, we're going according to script. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. All right, yeah, let's get to it. Let's talk about humility. But then comes verse seven, where Peter brings up anxiety. And I was like, whoa, what is happening here? And so we're gonna take some time to talk about humility, but also anxiousness. And to give us a little context here, all right? Paul, or nope. Paul writes a lot of the New Testament. He did not write 1 Peter, fun fact. Peter wrote 1 Peter. So Peter is writing to this group of people scattered throughout North Asia Minor, okay? And it's Christians, and just so we understand, there's been persecution, all right? Widespread persecution. And here's a really cool thing about Scripture, okay? It's got this, um, uh, how did I phrase it? Hold on, hold on. 
Oh, okay, good. I'm gonna need my notes. <laughs> Dizzy. Uh, all right, it's got this then and there effect to it, which is really cool. So scripture was written then and for a specific people and for a specific purpose, which is really cool, right? So we're getting to re- read history. But it also has a here and now to it. There's this miracle that happens in scripture. God breathed, like God's spirit was all over it, that it stretches out from millennia ago and reaches us right here and right now and ministers to our soul, right? So I wanna cover some then, like, uh, then and there for a second. Uh, Peter is writing to persecuted Christians, all right? They are fearing for their physical well-being, all right? And if they're, not feel, if, they're not, if they're not fearing for their own physical well-being, they're probably concerned about family or neighbors, okay? So with, with all respect to our anxieties that are real, I also wanna give reverence to what Peter's addressing, okay? So for the then and there, he goes, hey, you know, cast your anxieties. And I want us to be clear about what anxieties he's talking about. Hey, you're fearing for your life. You're, you're uncertain of your future. Like, that deserves our reverence. It's a big deal. But what's amazing about Scripture, like we already said, it, it comes to the here and now. And we, too, have anxieties. Like, we may not go, hey, I'm fearing for my life because of my faith at this point in time. But we all here cast your anxieties, and immediately it connects, right? Anxiousness is not a word that we're unfamiliar with. I do know that this word comes with a lot of baggage. So I want us to have, or not baggage, but just it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? And so I want to give us a working definition that's as true as I can get, that I think is the truest thing that, that Peter's actually saying. When I say anxious, what I mean is someone who doesn't know whether to do this or that given their circumstance, that they're in a circumstance that kind of has them dizzy. Like, like, where do I go from here? I don't know where to turn. What's gonna happen next? I'm not sure. So as we're talking about being anxious, that's what I'm meaning today. I know a lot more comes with that, but for today, does that make, can you, can you give me like, does that definition make sense? That you're in a situation, a circumstance where you go, where do I turn? I don't know what to do with this, all right? And that's what Peter's gonna address. And I think it's beautiful. Lean in. I think this is a gift from the Lord this week. It's so beautiful. I was like, God was blowing my mind as I was talking at the nine. I kept like pausing and externally processing as I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Okay, anyway, let's do it. Um, So we're gonna walk verse by verse. It's gonna be good. So verse six, and for each verse, I'm gonna give us a title that I gave that verse. So if you're taking notes, for verse six, the main heading here is just trust God, okay? Trust God. So verse six, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Okay, so you get this picture of this mighty hand. Now, I I went really deep here, got really creative. I pictured a hand, right? And so, (laughs) thank you, Emma. Um, So I pictured a hand. So think about a hand. Like when you, if you get your hand out here and just do this, just all the control that your hand has, right? And if there's an inanimate object right here and it's smaller than your hand, you just feel how in control, right? This bottle is under my hand. You know what I mean? And so Peter goes, hey, the, the way... A hand works, right? Like, God, like my hand is to this bottle. God's hand is to existence. Like we are all under this mighty hand of God. And we see it in a few verses later that he's the God of all what? Grace, right? This hand is like moved by grace. And so it's great news. And so Peter goes, hey, hey, trust in this time of anxiousness, where do I go from here? Man, humble yourself underneath the hand of God. You're under it whether you know it or not, but acknowledge and humble yourself and trust 
in the hand that is, that is over existence. Trust in this mighty, sovereign, sorry, sovereign, all-powerful hand that is God. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? Have you ever been in a season where you're anxiousness and did someone ever give you some trite advice? Like, hey, just trust God, okay? You're like, ah! you know what I mean? It's like, you trust God. I'm gonna do what I'm doing. You know, it's like, it's hard, right? Like when we're anxious, it's hard. Who wants to sit under someone's authority when we're like, I feel trapped. How do I trust that God's hand is good, that it's full of grace? I don't feel that right now. And Peter's like, I trust God. It reminds me of this uh, moment where a hummingbird was trapped in my grandpa's garage. Let me explain. Um, <laughs> but you weren't ready for that, were you? Um, but uh, so there was this hummingbird and my grandpa is like an animal whisperer. I don't know if you guys have grandparents or just like people in your life that just all the cats and dogs and squirrels and raccoons just love coming to them. That was hyperbolic, but anyway, my grandpa's one of those guys, and so there's this hummingbird stuck in the garage, and if you've ever had a bird trapped in your house or inside, once they get inside, they do not know how to get outside. It's impossible. They, they get inside, and they're like, it's over for me. I'm just going to fly into the wall over and over and over and over again, right? Literally, my mom had a bird stuck in her house like last week. My family and birds. But anyway, my granddad is in the garage, and he's trying to rescue this hummingbird, so he gets a net captures the hummingbird, still alive, doing good, we're healthy, gets the hummingbird in its hands and he's about to release it. But what do you think that hummingbird is doing, right? He's not like, oh, thank you, Grandpa Harold. That's his name. (laughs) Harold's a good name. I don't know why I thought that was funny at that moment, but he wasn't like, oh, thank goodness, someone's here to save me, right? That bird was like, intruder, like, let me out. I wanna be trapped in the garage again. It's better than being in this insane, huge person's hands, right? It's like, it's one thing to go, hey, God's hand are good. This uh, wasn't a very good metaphor. Anyway, it's one thing for me to say, hey, being under God's hand is good. But if you're ever in a season of anxiousness, does it really feel that good? It's like, just to stretch the metaphor a little bit, my grandfather's intentions for that bird were to free it, were to take it out of captivity, let it, like, release it into, like, the wild, back to where it wanted to be, right? But when it was in the hands, it just felt trapped. It couldn't fly. And if you've ever felt that, man, when you're in a season of anxiousness, how hard it can be to just sit underneath the Lord, trust him, and he's got you. Those are hands of grace. But Peter goes, hey, trust the Lord, all right? That's verse six. Let's move to verse seven here. This is when it gets crazy here. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So if verse six is trust God, verse seven is tell God, all right? And I want to talk about this instinct that can happen, all right? I, I thought of this on the way to the office, and I liked it because it rhymed. Trusting God um, is not suppression, but confession, all right? You like that? Huh? 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 It's not suppression, but confession, that, that when we have anxieties, there's something really weird about this. Being anxious makes us feel out of control and like we need help, and yet somehow our instinct with anxiousness is to hold it in and to not ask for help. Isn't that interesting? Like being anxious is like, I don't know what to do and I'm not gonna tell anybody. That can happen, right? And, and it's like this, this idea that, oh, when someone says trust God, it means suppress your anxiousness. Okay, no, I'm good, I'm good. Love you, God, you're great, I'm good, I'm not anxious at all, right? I'm just gonna bury it down deep, that never goes wrong, right? Like, is that not kind of the instinct? But Peter goes, no, 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 humble yourself, submit your life, like, like trust the sovereign hand of God, 
But tell God, like, cast your anxieties onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's why. He cares. He's not apathetic or, or ignorant or ignoring what's going on with you. He cares. But this is so much easier said than done when you're actually anxious, right? I, I believe there's some lies that we just believe when we're in seasons of anxiousness. And I want to read some off to you. I know there's more than this, but this is what came to mind. So one, the first lie that can come when we're just anxious, when we feel that in our life, is I can handle this, right? Like, even if you don't think you can handle it, you live out the message of I can handle it. You go, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna take it on my shoulders, bear it myself, right? Like, whatever that narrative comes from, if it's because we don't know what to do with it or if it's because we actually think we're strong enough, we go, I can handle this anxiousness, this not knowing where to move, where to go, how to act. Like, I don't know what to do, but I can do it. The second lie, they could handle it, which is the lie of comparison. Do you ever do this? I do this all the time. With like Dave, the guy that's been like discipling for eight years, he's 10 years older than me. He like started Ethos. He's like done all this cool stuff. He loves the Lord. He's so faithful. And then I'll go through something and be like, man, Dave can handle this. And I won't say it, but I'll picture Dave. And when I picture Dave, let me tell you, he is always handling the situation better than me. He stinks. Anyway, but I got always just picture Dave, and I'm like, no, he can handle it. I can handle it. What is that? I don't know what that is. Have you ever done that, though, where you felt like anxious, you didn't know where to turn, but you pictured somebody you respected, and they always did it right, so you got to do it right. But what does that lead to? The same thing the first one did. I'll handle it. Me. I got it. Keep it, keep it in here and don't let it out, right? That's the second one. Number three, God doesn't care. Now, that's not, you may believe in a very cold way God doesn't care, but also it could just be, man, there's just bigger fish out there. God's trying to end world hunger, all right? He doesn't care about my anxieties. Like the things that are stressing me out, don't know where to turn, who cares? He's trying to solve way bigger problems. But what does that lead to? The same thing. I won't tell him, I won't tell anybody. It's not that important. Like, do you ever just make up drastic scenarios that are way worse than your scenario to tell yourself that your scenario isn't that big of a deal? What is that? I picture like the most insane thing and be like, well, that's definitely not me, so I'm fine. I'll take care of this. What? Like, why do we do that? I don't know what that is. But whether we're thinking we can do it, we're comparing it to someone else, or we just make up some scenario why it's, there's something more important than what I'm feeling right now. So again, I'm just gonna keep it here, right? That's three. Number four, God is disappointed I feel this way. Have you ever felt that? Like, he's just disappointed. I don't trust him right now. He's probably pretty mad at me. I'm not gonna talk to a guy that's mad at me about my failures. Like, it stinks. God, I'm anxious. Why are you anxious? That's what I think he's gonna say back. Why do I think that? I don't know, but I do. Like, do you ever feel like God's just gonna be disappointed in you when you're worried? It's like we think about a scripture, like, hey, don't worry. And we're like, oh man, I'm breaking the rule. God's disappointed. What? No, like, that's not it. And so I just feel like we can feel God is disappointed. Number five, I'll figure all of this out and then talk about it. That's, that's my main method right now. Um, I'm like, no, 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 I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna figure it out, then I'll talk about it. That is not a good method. That is almost always the wrong order of things, right? It's like, oh, I'll take care of this and then we'll dialogue and I'll tell you what I learned and I'll process it, right? So I'll, I'll take care of it and then I'll be honest about how hard it was, right? That can be the order that we go in. I just wanna say this, nothing deconstructs deceit like open communication, all right? Nothing deconstructs deceit like open communication. If you've ever lived in a world of assumption of why'd they say that? Was that a tone? That was a tone. Now what happened? Why did they think that? 
Oh my gosh, well, they're wrong. And all of a sudden you've had this inner conversation and you know for a fact, someone's upset with you and you've never talked about it. Have you ever been there? Like with a friend or someone you're dating or someone you're married to, like, it's just like, oh, okay, I thought all this stuff, but we never talked about it. There is nothing like just open communication. And that's what Peter's encouraging here. Hey, if you've got anxiousness, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He's got you but not humble yourself in a way that means you suppress all of this. Tell him, tell God explicitly, openly what you're anxious about. And he uses this specific language that I think is really cool. He says, cast your anxieties on him. And I immediately thought about fishing. Have you ever went fishing? How many times do you cast? There's not a number, but it's more than one right? It's like you cast, you cast, you catch something, you keep it, you throw it back, you cast again, right? And for us to know that we don't just trust the mighty hand of God, but we tell God and we give it to him over and over and over again. And this blew my mind this morning. I didn't realize this until I was teaching it at the nine, but he's, it's Peter writing. And one of Peter's first conversations with Jesus goes like this. Hey, Peter, cast your net into the deep. And Peter says, Jesus, I've been casting my net all night. We've caught nothing. Jesus says, do it one more time. Abundant catch. Peter is using this language because it happened to him. That is so amazing. Of course he's using this language. He knows what it's like to cast it, to cast it, to cast it, to feel hopeless. And then for Jesus to go, no, keep casting. Watch what I do. I think for us to just give ourselves permission, hey, cast it. Don't just tell God, like hand it to him. God, I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I hate this. I trust you. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. I'll keep going. Um, I just like fly through the roof. Um, but uh, it felt like it was headed that direction. Um, <laughs> went too far. Always. Uh, anyway, all right. I can do this. Give yourself permission to keep handing it back. Don't just tell God you trust him. I go, I'm giving it to you, Lord. I was studying this on Monday, and this was just hitting me so hard. And then on Tuesday, we had an onward meeting, and we just had a lot going down this past week. A lot of responsibility, and all of it had big impact, right? It was just like, it's not the kind of responsibility you can just kind of barely do. You had to really do it. And so I shared this passage, like, oh, this is good timing. And let me tell you, the devotional time was beautiful, but my day, I just kept coming back to this. Oh, okay, God, somehow it's back in my hands again. Here you go. And for us just to be a people that trust the hand of God, but man, trust is active. We participate in trust. And so if you feel like you've grabbed back on to anxiousness, that's all right. Cast it again. Just hear Jesus going, hey, do it one more time. Like, keep doing it. All right, so just talk to God. Don't just trust God. Tell him what's going on. Cast it over and over and over again. Those two things really are just a circle. They just work together. God, I trust you. Here you go. God, I trust you. Here you go. All right. <clears throat> Verses eight through nine. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. All right, verses eight and nine A, I'm gonna title this one just resist the enemy because Peter says to resist the enemy. And so I thought it made sense. When we are anxious, there's a lot of nuance to life, right? A lot of complicated things that we all need to have long discussions about and not make any assumptions. Here's one thing you can always assume safely. Jesus loves you, okay, over here. Satan hates you, 
just real talk. And in this moment, Peter goes, hey, sometimes in times of anxiousness, you're tempted to only think about you and maybe God. Don't forget the other side of the same coin. The enemy's real and he works. And it's not always just your own thoughts or your own weaknesses. Like, the enemy's real. And here's what just sucks about the enemy. Like, he doesn't look at you when you're weak and go, oh man, I came here for a fair fight. Why don't you rest up? Take a Sabbath, but when you come back, get ready, because we're going to go at it. <laughs> All right, we're going to fight. It's like, no. He looks at you in weakness and goes, game on. Like, let's go. Hey, let's amp this thing up. Wound, like wounded over here. And Peter's like, hey, in your weakness, as you're, as you're anxious, as you don't know what's going on, here's what the enemy is like. A lion looking for who can devour. And a lion is such a good metaphor here. Peter slash the Holy Spirit was really onto something, because a lion is beautiful, Majestic, And I don't think the enemy is like really ugly and gross and easy to detect. He comes disguised as like, he makes sense. He's appealing, right? But if you've ever watched National Geographic or Planet Earth, when a lion is hungry, all right, it gets really graphic. Little baby antelope with his family and the lion's not like, oh, look at that family, that family dynamic. He goes, that little baby is weak and slow and I'm going to eat it. That's what happens and it's awful. And they usually skip that part nowadays, which is nice, because I'm not trying to see that, but isn't it insane? He just like eats a baby antelope. It's like, oh my gosh, are you not with me in this imagery? It's so sad. It's vicious, right? It's just the way the world works. Peter goes, that's the enemy. Man, when you're anxious and you don't know where to turn, like, just know this, and Jesus is stronger. Man, he's got your back. Like, it's, you're, we're going to be strong in the Lord. He delivers us, but just know the enemy is real, and he looks at us in our weakness, and man, he wages war. He does. And so if you're in a season of anxiousness or you've come out of one or you're probably going to enter into one at some point, just going, wait, one, let me trust God. I'll keep the lines open. I'll tell him. But also, man, God, help me to be aware of the voice of, of the enemy where there's just real, like the father of lies, the inventor, the genius behind deceit comes after me. God, help me to see that. Like, it's not just me at war with myself. No, it's, it's war against the enemy. Like, that's what's happening. And so just for us to know that, that for us to be on guard against the enemy, that as we're praying, Lord, help me to see it. Like, Peter is not subtle here. He's saying, it's real. The enemy's real. He's really coming for you. So just be aware. Resist him. Actively resist him. All right, does that make sense? Okay, all right. Um, the second half of verse nine. I'm gonna call this one, you are not alone. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The enemy, I think it's so cool that, that Peter mentions the enemy and then says, hey, you've got family going through this. You're not the only one. Because what does the enemy love to do in seasons of anxiousness? Isolate, 10 out of 10 times, right? Peter's already addressed part of this, tell God. But he makes you feel like you're the only one. Have you ever sat in a room and been like, oh, that's really cool. God speaks to everyone but me. Oh, that was an amazing baptism gathering. God moves in everyone but me. Isn't that just an amazing feeling? Doesn't it just make you want to worship hard? <laughs> you know, it's like, what is going on? So we feel isolated. We feel alone. And Peter goes, man, I know how the enemy works. You're going through a hard time. You're anxious. You don't know what's going to happen. Man, know this. You are not alone. And it's not that we want other people suffering, but isn't it kind of comforting to know you're not the only one? It's like, I, I kind of wish neither of us were here, but it's nice to have a friend, right? And Peter goes, hey, you've got friends. And I feel like God was just reminding me, hey, this community, if you're walking in anxiousness, like if you're feeling some weight, do not show up to house church with spiritual makeup on. Like, you don't have to do that. 
You don't have to pretend. Man, if you're anxious about something, tell people. Do not keep that inside. The enemy loves darkness. Keep that a secret between you and him. He would love that. Man, tell people. We've either been there, we're right there, or we'll be there and we'll use you as a reference one day. Like, that's the reality. Share this stuff. Let the family of God bear burdens with you. And do it again and again and again. If you're anxious right now and you're anxious next year, keep telling us. Keep telling your family, like your your spiritual family, right? You're not alone. The enemy wants to make you think you're isolated and alone in a season of anxiety. You are not. Keep the lines open with God. Keep the lines open with community. And it reminded me of this thing called freedom prayer that Ethos has that is that is free, there's, there's no catch. We just have a team that's went through weeks and weeks of training and they just wanna sit and pray with people. And if you're here and you're like, I'm in a season of anxiousness, I don't know how to talk about it. Uh, I need people around me to like talk with me and pray over me. You should look at ethoschurch.org and go sign up for a freedom prayer session. Like we have three, three, two to four people will sit with you in a room and just quietly over like two, I mean, over like a couple of hours, we'll just sit with you and just pray for you and just help you talk to the Lord. And I'm gonna be honest, that sounds so weird and daunting because that's how I felt when I heard that that's what it was. I'm the pastor and I was like, I don't think so, actually. I'm good on freedom prayer. But I had to go to a session because I have to talk to you guys about it. So I went to a session, right? And it was amazing. I didn't realize how non-threatening it was. Like, it's so friendly, nothing weird, nothing forced. It's just praying with other people and it was so good. And so if you're in a season of anxiousness or if you come upon one and you need some people that will just sit with you for hours and pray for you, talk with you. You should sign up for that. All right, so the point of that one, you're not alone. God is with you, but also your people are with you. If you haven't reached out to someone, reach out. Keep the lines open. All right, we're at the end here. This is the last one. All right, verse 10. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Really awesome. Peter helps us zoom out and see the big picture. Man, seasons of anxiousness feel like forever. People are like, man, I wish you could slow time down. I'm like, feel despair. Go through a season of despair and you can turn one minute into four hours. You can turn a whole month into like 10 decades. Have you ever been there? I remember this one summer, me and this, it was like a total college breakup relationship in July. And that month of working through the million DTRs was the longest month in the history of mankind. I'm not kidding. I prayed multiple times and went, this July has gone on for 17 years, right? When you're riddled with anxiousness, does it not feel like forever? Like you're like, what was it like not to have this in my life? I don't know. It's been here since I was born. (laughs) Is that not how it feels? Like it feels that way. It's, It's probably not true. Maybe it is true for some of you, but it can feel like this has been forever. For me, it's like, this has been forever, but it's really just been 2019 for three months. But man, it feels like a long time. And Peter goes, hey, I I know this feels like a long time. Let me give you the big picture. This feels like forever. Let me remind you of what is forever, all right? Jesus, the God of all grace, will strengthen you, will establish you, will restore you. And I believe this is both eternal, but I also think this will be for your life now. I don't, I, I, only God can speak to the season you're in and how long it's gonna last. I don't know how all that works, okay? But I really do believe that seasons come, seasons go, and that Jesus longs to strengthen you. And I don't know what it's gonna look like, all right? I don't assume that time, I believe God is wise and knows what he's doing. But this is seasonal. 
It is not forever, in this life or the next, that God will restore order, that there will be a new heaven, a new earth, that all will be made right, and anxiousness will die forever. So Peter goes, hey, don't let go. Don't let go. In a world of sin and brokenness and worry and pain and hurt, there's anxiousness. It's a season. Do not let go. Hold on. Resist the enemy. Trust the hand of God. Tell him. Over and over again, give it to him. Tell people, don't keep it in here. The enemy loves that. Don't do that. Trust people. Trust the Lord. Hold on. Jesus will make this right. And so I don't know if you, I don't know where you're at. And I think speaking into seasons where you feel anxious is a place I want to be so gentle because it's such a personal thing that can feel like no one understands this. So like, how dare you try to speak into it, right? I believe God is sovereign. He's all over your life. He's attentive that he is good, that you can trust him. Keep casting your anxious thoughts to him. Keep handing them off. Tell people Jesus will make it right. I believe he'll do it in this life, and he'll for certainly do it in the next one, okay? Um, so I wanna go to communion, and I just want you to share with maybe two or three people, if you wanna share with someone you came with, if you wanna circle up with new people, do whatever you want. Isn't community fun? All right. Um, I was really hoping you'll get, oh, I got, I got tied to the stool. Um, all right, anyway. But as we go to communion, I would love for you just to share what was churning in your heart this morning. Was there a thing that spoke to you? Like, was there a moment where you went, oh, that was for me this morning? And consider sharing that with others. It's cool that I get to sit up here and, and, and talk to you just one way for a while, but I think it's so helpful when we talk to one another, when our brains engage on that level. I think it just does something for our hearts that people have things that you need to hear, that you have things that others need to hear. And so I'm going to pray. I'll dismiss this to communion. And if you want to do this, no pressure, circle up with two, three, four people and just share, right? What would you hear God saying? And then take communion together. All right. So I'm going to pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this word. Um, yeah, Lord, wherever you were speaking, will you just help it really sink in um, to our hearts? Help us to grab onto what you were saying, to not let it go yet, to let it really absorb. Um, thank you for communion, the bread that represents your body broken, um, that you became flesh in the first place, the, the cup where your blood was shed for us, for our salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you, Lord, for grace and mercy um, new every day. In Jesus' name, uh, amen.